Welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Langan. Today, we're speaking with Craig Muller, who is the VP of Public Sector at FireEye, about the state of risk management in the public sector, what public sector leaders can do to effectively manage risk, and much, much more. And Craig, thanks for joining us today. Matt, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. And let's start off at the top, if you don't mind. Tell us a bit about the state of risk management in the public sector arena and how are organizations managing ever-growing risks? Where are they falling short? And where do you see the biggest challenges moving forward? Sure. So, you know, I think we've seen a shift in the last few years from directly equating risk to compliance or being compliant and more focus on bringing operational cybersecurity, you know, the risk of a cyber attack into that equation. NIST developed the risk management framework in 2010, so federal organizations have been following these standards for a while. At the National Association of State CIO virtual forum the other day, they had cybersecurity and risk management listed as their number one priority. That's the seventh year in a row that it was in the top slot. So risk management is something that they're very keenly focused on. And with all the recent ransomware attacks on municipalities, along with K-12 and higher ed, we'll start to see more organizations using these guidelines as a best practice. The first step in risk management is really risk identification, which allows organizations to assess the likelihood of a cyber attack. So they're able to understand all the possible risks to them from a number of prisons. You know, that's IT, regulatory, legal, operational, et cetera, you know, as it relates to that organization's mission or function. And I think people are doing a better job of this as we've matured, you know, as cybersecurity has matured. You know, however, you know, the next step in that process is measuring and assessing. And I think that's where things start to get complicated for a number of reasons. You know, if you just look at security controls, you know, because there's not a common set of qualitative and quantitative metrics that industry is standardized on to assess the effectiveness of these controls, you know, as organizations go through this six-step risk management framework process, which includes assessing and monitoring these controls, you see all sorts of different measurements that are put in place along with different monitoring strategies from organization to organization, which is problematic. You know, you add in the shortage of cyber talent along with complexities associated with digital transformation. And I think that's the biggest challenge we face. It's ensuring that all of this comes together in a cohesive manner where security professionals are able to quantify and articulate the risks and associated implications from those prisms to public sector leaders. So optimal investments in the correct areas are made at the right time. You know, you're never going to completely mitigate the risk of a cyber attack or a data breach, but leaders want the assurance that they're investing assets and resources as effectively as possible in order to minimize those risks. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it certainly seems like being prepared is kind of the key theme there. And there's a lot going on, like you just mentioned there with all those different prisms. And 
along those lines, in your role as VP of U.S. public sector, your team is responsible for many separate industry segments. And how do you see these various groups managing risk differently? Yeah, you know, because the public sector, like you said, encompasses a variety of different customer types with different missions and needs, you know, as you'd expect, they look at and they handle risk differently. You know, if I'm a program manager for the Department of Defense responsible for a weapon system, my perspective on risk is different than the CISO of a mid-sized city or the Secretary of State of Indiana, who's concerned with protecting 92 counties. You know, even in the education vertical, risk at a large research institute encompasses a number of additional variables, like, you know, allowing collaboration with foreign nationals to, say, administering National Science Foundation research grants that a small private university might not have to concern themselves with. So we see a lot of different ways. I think the best way to kind of categorize it at the highest level is there are really two strategies. You're either trying to do it all yourself or you're establishing a relationship with a third party to outsource or partner on some of these responsibilities, you know, effectively sharing that risk. For example, the DOD has historically run everything internally, you know, but as they start to move towards the cloud, they'll undertake a shared responsibility model with their cloud providers for certain elements regarding risk. But because they look at cybersecurity as and cyber as the next battleground and as a critical warfighting capability, they're keeping all of the cyber monitoring and incident response capabilities, at least for now, all in-house with their cyber protection teams. But when you look at state and local, you know, they've been moving to the cloud like gangbusters and organizations have outsourced their non-core mission functions like, you know, accounts receivable and accounts payable for a while. And in the past few years, we've seen a shift to include security. So investing in a cybersecurity capability like, you know, Mandiant's managed detection and response service. So in addition to monitoring, you know, many of these customers will look to us to fill gaps that they have in cybersecurity expertise, as well as provide surge capacity, you know, to their operations when they need it, which obviously will help combat risk in a time of attack. You know, initially you saw smaller mid-sized municipalities adopt, you know, this strategy, but now we're starting to see huge entities like the Texas Department of Information Resources, who we recently partnered with to help combat the ransomware problem that we're seeing, you know, that are outsourcing significant parts of their IT and IT security functions to service providers. And with that, shifting some of those risks as part of those contracts. You know, I mentioned risk identification in, in the earlier answer. I mean, unfortunately, the majority of public sector organizations are not fully equipped, and I'm not even sure if they should be, to mitigate the risk of an attack from a nation state attacker or well-funded criminal actors. So partnering with a trusted third-party security provider that has expertise in this area is, is a very sound strategy. Yeah, great insights there. And also, Craig, tell us a bit more about how your background can play into overall understanding risk and helping organizations to be better prepared. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I live in, you know, right outside of Washington, D.C. and Virginia, and I've been involved in working with the federal government for almost 25 years. I was working at Cisco when IT and the Internet was exploding in the late 90s and early 2000s was working on customers on infrastructure workflow and orchestration at the onset of cloud computing. You know, I think even before the government introduced cloud first. So, you know, I I like to think I'm in tune with modernization and the role that IT plays in enabling agency missions, you know, as we go through today's digital transformation era. You know, whether it was building out the network or automating infrastructure operations, there was always risk, you know, to achieving the desired outcomes of, you know, availability, performance, resiliency, et cetera. With those projects, you know, cyber is no different. It's just that the risks are different. You know, and being here at FireEye for the past six and a half years, I think it's provided me with a sound understanding of the constantly changing threat landscape who those actors are, how they operate, what are they looking to do once they're inside an organization, you know, et cetera. You know, this background, you know, along with having seen a multitude of customers and approaches, allows me to to be able to have a discussion with people on where to invest capital and resources, you know, using examples of both successes and unfortunately failures. You know, I think everyone would agree that in order to realize the full benefits of, you know, any digital transformation or modernization objective, IT and IT security have to be completely aligned. You know, it's intertwined anyway, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, it just doesn't always function effectively. You know, it's not just the technology, it's that along with people and process, you know, misalignment in any of these areas will impact the ability to, you know, achieve the desired outcome. You know, and I think by understanding an organization's objectives, you know, the relationship to the associated risks, it really allows me the opportunity to have initial conversations based on mission outcomes and then to move into more transformational discussions, some of which are often led by our many consulting experts that have a long history of success in this area to help our customers, you know, go from where they are today to, you know, where they need to go. That's great. Awesome insights there. And in many ways, Craig, you answered my next question in the previous responses, but I'll ask it anyway to see if there's anything else more to add to this one. And the question is really, what can public sector leaders do to more effectively manage risk? Anything more to add to that? I mean, yeah, I think look, one of the trends that we're seeing and where I think uh, biggest specific impact can be made will really be through the continuous testing and the verification of security controls. You know, as I mentioned earlier, although we're getting better, you know, overall security practitioners are still challenged with effectively quantifying and articulating operational cybersecurity risk to non-cybersecurity or non-security leaders because they don't speak the same language. You know, it's hard to translate things like number of attacks blocked, number of detections, number of investigations, et cetera, 
you know, into business or mission risk because there, there isn't a direct correlation. You know, just because I blocked more attacks today than yesterday or had more investigations than the prior month, you know, it, it doesn't mean my risk posture has improved. You know, in, in the past few years, you know, a ton of money has been spent in the public sector on cybersecurity tools. But at the same time, the number of in breaches has increased. So something definitely isn't working as well as it should. You know, we, we came out with a security effectiveness report earlier this year that covered, you know, 11 different industries, including government and education, where we assessed 123 market-leading security technologies in production environments. So those security controls that are actually protecting organizations today. You know, it showed on average they detect only 26% of attacks and prevent 33% of them, which that's great insight. It provides an opportunity for organizations to, you know, optimize their investments and improve their risk posture. But more concerning to me was that we saw only 9% of those attacks that we ran generated alerts. So even when these security controls are actually performing as expected, the information wasn't getting to network defenders to be able to analyze, which is a huge problem. You know, I, I think, look, at the end of the day, leaders just want to know, what's the risk of this type of attack? Are we protected against it? And how are we certain? You know, it's, it's really that simple. You know, leaders need to move from assumptions to assurances because that's going to allow them to get the outcomes that they're looking for. You know, assumptions increase risks. You know, assurances mitigate them. And security controls are the foundation of an organization's defense. So focusing at this base level, I think, is going to make a tremendous impact. You know, by using the latest cyber threat intelligence, which allows organizations to understand which attack groups and attack types they're at most risk from, continuously testing security controls against these attacks and then mapping the findings against a framework like MITRE ATT&CK, that will allow security professionals to easily explain to non-security leaders where they're protected, where they have gaps, and the associated risks to the organization. You know, none of this was feasible a few years ago because to do it manually, you know, requires a ton of time, expertise, and resources, and the attackers are always changing. You'd never be able to get ahead. But now all this can be automated using, you know, a security validation platform so organizations can quickly determine the effectiveness of their security controls on a continuous basis dramatically reducing the, the risk of the breach and ensuring their data is secure and provide actual evidence-based assurances back to the leadership. And I think that's the thing that I'm most passionate about as we start to see, you know, uh, what can public sector organizations do to, to really impact risk. That's great. Great, great insights there, Craig. Appreciate that. And for our last question, of course, is going to focus on 2020 was quite a challenging and strange year for pretty much everybody across the globe. And with that in mind, do you have any advice for public sector organizations with what everybody's calling the new normal in mind? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the remote work environment, remote schooling, I mean, we're all kind of working through it, right? I mean, like the, this present situation we're in opens up organizations to, you know, a variety of risks that many people didn't have to think about prior to March. You know, I mean, I, I live in Fairfax County. Like I mentioned, our, our school system was hit last week by a ransomware attack. You know, I read that it was the 206th public sect, uh, sector entity and the 53rd school district to be impacted by ransomware this year. You know, it's not that ransomware wasn't a threat previously, but because the attackers are now focusing on the public sector more and more, and the environment has gotten more complex because of this remote work and remote schooling environment, the risks of being impacted by one of these attacks has considerably increased. You know, um, you know, kind of outside of continuously testing and verifying your security controls, like I just talked about, you know, I'll go back to what you said earlier, right? It's the preparation piece. You know, I think if I was to offer just two pieces of advice, you know, one, if organizations haven't already, is to spend the time and effort now to choose a strategic go-to security partner that can help counsel them on important decisions, whether it's how to set up, uh, you know, whatever it is in this in this new normal, where they can provide insight and perspective gain from frontline experience, you know, as remote work and started to become the standard everywhere. The second piece of advice I would say, you know, put an incident response retainer in place with that partner. So if you need it, you have it. When we talk to customers that have unfortunately had some type of cyber event, 100% of them say, I wish I had had a retainer in place to be able to have access to expertise more expeditiously than I did. It's, you know, no matter what the countermeasures organizations are, are putting in place, they can't mitigate, completely mitigate the chance of a cyber attack. And, you know, an ounce of prevention really is uh, greater than a pound of cure. So that's what I'd guide them on. That's great. That's a perfect way to end this Government Technology Insider podcast interview with Craig Muller, who's the VP of U.S. Public Sector at FireEye, who discussed the state of risk management in the public sector what public sector leaders can do to effectively manage risk, and much, much more. And Craig, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. I had fun, and I hope this was beneficial to our listeners.